Welcome to Culture Conversations, a podcast that helps disciples make disciples in today's world. I'm Chris Moran, host of Culture Conversations, and today you'll be hearing from Jimmy Okello. Jimmy is pastor and planter of University Community Church in Gulu, Uganda. Today, we talk about everything from growing up in a polygamist family to being a child in an active, dangerous war zone. We talk about the call of God to salvation and the great value of rich theological resources. We talk about what it's like planting a church in a developing nation. I trust you'll be encouraged. So I'm here in northern Uganda and Gulu with Pastor Jimmy Okello, and he is the lead pastor, lead elder of University Community Church of Gulu, right next to Gulu University. And we are here uh, on a church planting mission. We've just done a, a church planting conference with Acts 29, which Jimmy was a part of. Jimmy is doing his assessment with Acts 29, and, uh, and we want to hear his story. So, Pastor Jimmy, can you please tell us how you became a Christian? I think it was uh, in 2000 when I was in high school. That's when I, I can say I, I heard the gospel, at least some presentation that brought convic- conviction in my heart. But my story of coming to hear the gospel uh, is clearer when you know where I came from. As a young boy, I was uh, I was born in a large family and grew up in a large polygamous family. Mm. And uh, growing up, I didn't see much love for the Lord in my family. My father was uh, was a banker and uh, did some farming, but and uh, but there's no love. There was no love for the Lord in my family. So that's how I grew up. And in in Coupled with that is I grew up in wartime mm. in Gulu. There was a war for 22 years in Gulu, so most of my childhood was in that wartime. Can you describe so, a little bit of that uh, briefly? Yeah, war here is uh, these uh, rebel activities, children abducted, trained to be child soldiers, trained to kill mm. and abduct more children. And they were between northern Uganda and South Sudan, running back and forth. So they would abduct children from from northern Uganda, take them to South Sudan, train them, completely brainwash them. And when they come back, they can kill their own brothers, their own mothers, their own relatives, just heartless. And it was in that war that I grew up and I... I remember losing my cousin to the war, losing my uncle, two of my uncles to the war, losing relatives who lived nearby, and uh, our village mates, some of them were abducted, never came back. So you could you could tell my world was dark, was shattered. I uh, tomorrow was not promised. Uh, I could not. I didn't have dreams for the next day. I mean, it was just difficult to think that your life would turn out something useful. So that's where I lived. But then at the peak of the war, uh, my parents thought that it was extremely unsafe for me to live in Gulu. They, they, they sent me over to Kampala to, uh, for refuge, but also to further my, study, to, to further my studies. And... Uh, so I left Gulu and went to, to Kampala in 1998. 
and uh, continued my studies there for two years in high school and then uh, later joined university. But when I was in, in high school, uh, I remember one particular day, and it was lunchtime, I was eating my food. And there was a service going by in a, in a nearby class, a service going on in a nearby class. And there, as I was eating my food, I heard a clear voice telling me to go and attend that service. And I thought, oh, okay, fine, I will, I will go. Inside your head, outside your head? Uh, it, I think it was inside my head, if I would say, yeah. And uh, I, 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 I quickly finished eating my food, and then I, I changed what I was wearing, went in for that service. And when I got there, I listened we worshipped a bit, sat down to listen to, to the word, and there was someone preaching. And as they preached, I felt very strong conviction in my heart. There was such conviction, and I, I saw my sinfulness, my hopelessness, the struggles of wartime, the struggles of growing up through uh, a, a, a family that is polygamous and uh, having all kinds of malfunction. I mean, it was just a lot. And God showed me how messed up my life was. And on top of those two other challenges, I also had developed a, a habit that I'd learned over time to withdraw to whenever life was feeling very difficult, and that was pornography. Mm. Every now and then when I felt alone, isolated, uh, lonely, I would turn to pornography. Mm. And uh, that was eating me up. So in the middle of all that, that's when... Um, this uh, day came when I had a voice in my heart telling me to go and attend this service. Mm. So in the service, I saw my life it's as though my life was put before me. Messed up life, no hope. But Jesus Christ revealed himself to me as the one who can give me hope. Mm. And I remember that day uh, walking uh, when it, people were called to, to respond to the message. So I stood up, walked to the front, and, uh, and I surrendered my life to mm. Jesus that day. And I was prayed for. I, from that day, I, I remember quickly in the next few days after that, I experienced uh, God revealing himself to me as, as a father. One day I, was, I had prayed and asked God, I said, God, I want you to, to, I want to know you as a father. Because I would hear people pray. And they would, the first word that would come from their mouth is father. And uh, that was not a, a word that was common in my mouth. Why? Because growing up, I, did, I wasn't very close to my father. Mm. He was there physically, but emotionally absent. Mm. He never affirmed. He never, it was hard to know what he liked and what he didn't like. And uh, we weren't sure whether he was happy or not happy. He was this very quiet person, so, so quiet that you can hardly know what he's thinking. Mm -hmm. So growing up, that is when it comes to a father, that's the picture I, I know. A father is a person who is there physically, but he doesn't really have to be involved in your life. That's what I grew up knowing. Mm -hmm. So when people are saying, Heavenly Father, I was like, 
What is that? Mm. I don't know. I don't have any experience of that. But the more I heard that, the more uh, I saw a possibility of experiencing maybe a different father. Because they say, a, a heavenly father, they say, okay, I have earthly father, but I have no connection with him. Maybe the heavenly father will be, uh, uh, I, I would be connected with him and experience some love and affirmation and care and, and also learn to love him. Yeah. So I, I, I asked God in prayer, I said, I want to know you. I want to know you as a father. So one particular Sunday, I felt his presence. He just, in worship like this, I just felt a very strong presence of the Lord coming on me. And, uh, and uh, in my heart, there was that confirmation like, you know, you asked for me, here I am. Mm. I didn't know how to handle myself because I was uh, sobbing. I was uh, sit, uh, trying to sit down, stand up, move around, and I wasn't sure what to do. But from that time, it was as though prayer became something that was enjoyable. These are things that happened shortly after I came to know the Lord. I began to enjoy praying. I began to read the Word of God. I began to, 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 to have a hunger to, to do something for the Lord. And, uh, and the, the, the next year and the next year and the next year, I just kept walking with the Lord. Yeah. Can you tell us about how you went from that place of growing, walking with God, to getting the call to become a pastor? Yes. Um, the year I got saved was uh, 2000. Okay. And uh, the next year, I, uh, I, most part of it was um, a time for my break, school break between, between high school and university. So in that time, I got more engaged in a, in a local church. And uh, in this local church, I, uh, I remember I was reading my Bible a lot at home. And then I began to find a way to, to serve the Lord in the church. And the place that I found, which was uh, uh, very encouraging for me to serve the Lord was working with with students in school. So in a, there was a ministry that reaches out to students, and I was part of that. I began to go out and share the the gospel with them, preach a few times, pray for the for the students because uh, uh, that opportunity was there. And then uh, the first the first few years, I think what I grew in especially was in knowing the Word of God because I remember reading through the New Testament, the whole of it, from Matthew all the way to Revelation. And what I found in there was really mind-blowing. It's not even half of the Bible, mm -hmm. but the things that I saw in there, I could not escape to notice the love of God revealed through Jesus Christ. I could not uh, fail to see uh, that uh, community of believers in, in Acts, seeing, uh, uh, and the letters really ministered to me a lot. Of course, there are things I couldn't understand, especially in the letters of Paul. Mm -hmm. but, but as I read and read, things began to make sense. The next year, to, uh, 2002, that is when a friend of mine gave me a, a Reformation Study Bible. I still have it. It's that, it's that maroon one. You see that? Mm -hmm. uh, the, the backwards, towards this side, come back this way, 
the maroon, that one. Ah, uh-huh. Page, yeah. Yes. He gave me that Bible. I didn't know what a treasure it was. So I kept reading once in a while, didn't know how to use the notes, didn't know how to use whatever is in there well. So I just kept reading bit by bit. But as I read, it was as I read the Bible and uh, continued to serve, I remember one particular Sunday, uh, the pastor of that church, having been at that church for, for about two years, and I was growing in the Lord, and my love for the Lord was visible. You could tell. I was eager to serve him and to live for him. And the pastor asked me one day to, 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 to share a brief message to the church. And I still remember what the message was. It was about love, the love of God for me and for everybody else. So I shared that message, and I shared it so passionately that after I finished, the pastor told me that, you know what, I think you are going to be a good preacher, but more than that, I see a heart for people in you. And I think uh, you need to see God for this because God might be calling you to be a pastor. And that was just two years after I got saved. Wow. Yeah. So I thought, okay, maybe maybe because the pastor is just excited. So I kind of put that aside and continued to move on. So later... I kept hearing confirmation from people telling me, you know, you have the heart to care for people. You love the Word of God, and every time you teach the Word of God, it comes out clear, and it helps people to, 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 know, to know God better and to love Him better. So I just kept on moving. because in, uh, uh, Shortly, I joined, joined university, and at the university, I moved to a different church from the one I was attending earlier. And uh, when I moved to this church, this church is based on the campus, and uh, it's, basically, it's well known for campus ministry, uh, challenging young people to, to, love, to, to know the Lord and to walk with Him. And so when I was part of this church, my walk with the Lord went deeper because the teaching in this church was much deeper and uh, the gospel was more clearly articulated. And uh, uh, the young people that I was praying together with were uh, passionate in love with the Lord. They were there for Bible study. They were there for prayer time. They were giving of their time to reach out to fellow students. They were meeting in small groups in, in hostels and dormitories uh, uh, in, the, uh, in the university. And so I got plugged into this vibrant community of young people who loved the Lord and were living for him. Mm-hmm. And when I did that, and uh, interestingly, that's also the place where I found, I, I found my wife. Yeah, so from about this time, uh, a lot in my life was be- became common with what was going on in our life. Uh, she got saved uh, in one of the gatherings organized by this church on the campus. Oh, wow. That's where she got she got to know the Lord. But uh, in that place, that's when I believe the call was uh, the the call of God on my life became clear. I began to see clearly that God was calling me into uh, to, to, into pastoring. Mm-hmm. And uh, my new pastor confirmed the same word that my previous wow. pastor talked about. He said, you are a leader. I see a leader in you. I see a heart for pastoring in you. And uh, he did not only stop at that. He called me to 
uh, accountability and uh, and uh, and mentorship, and then later he ordained me as oh, a pastor. Wow. Yeah, he ordained me as a pastor. How many years from that point of going into the church to become? So you were an elder then at that point, right? A pastoral elder. Is that what ordination means here? Uh, the ordination there was meaning that I w- I was. Uh, I would say a youth pastor. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, what does that? What was? The, what's the time frame there? That was uh, two thousand and and four to two thousand and eight. Oh, that wow. was the time when I was at that okay. uh, the so second you're church. Four years old, a Christian at that point. Uh, yes. And you spent the next four years as a youth pastor. Yes. Yeah, and uh, I was ordained as a pastor. I served as a youth pastor under my the leadership of my uh, senior pastor, and uh, uh, God clarified the call. And I remember meeting my wife, and then we began to pray together. Towards we got married uh, one year after the ordination. I was ordained that as was a single five. man. Yeah. No, it was no. That was Nine. yeah. I was ordained in two thousand eight, gotcha. and then two thousand nine we got married. Yeah, and then uh, after that, we began to pray together and uh, for where God wants us to pastor because it was clear that uh, we were not going to pastor in the same place for long. So as we prayed, God uh, put in my heart a desire to come back home in Gulu. And I said, okay, if that's where you want, want me to go, uh, please Clarify. We kept praying, and one thing leading to another, and then one one time we 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 uh, we, we we prayed, and God uh, just put on our heart to come and visit Kulu University and see what is going on. And I remember one visit led to the second one, the third one, and then there was a time we were invited my, together with my wife to come and train leaders in the Christian Fellowship, which was within the university, and. Uh, uh, the more we traveled, the more we it became clear to us that we were being called to come and minister in Gulu. Mm. So uh, when we finally uh, got ready and we, we kept preparing ourselves through uh, studying God's word, giving ourselves to serve in our church uh, uh, in every way possible. And then I remember... Uh, one of the times when we prayed, God really put in our heart 2013 as a time mm-hmm. to move. And when 2013 came, I, uh, we put aside uh, everything. Our church uh, called us to the front, and they shared with us, uh, 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 I shared more comprehensively the vision that God had put in my heart to the congregation. The congregation prayed a blessing on us. They laid hands on us. And then they released us to come to Gulu from Kampala. So I moved my family over in 2013. We settled here and uh, for to a few, uh, not not to this home, but uh, we were living across town from where the church is right now. But uh, we spent about uh, from July 2013, those months to the new year, uh, tw- February 2014. Those were times for preparation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in uh, February 2014, the church uh, got started. I remember the meeting started with six people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were meeting together in this in this house in one of the rooms, and we prayed, we worshipped the Lord, we clapped hands, shared a message, um, uh, looked for one another, and cared for one another, 
and then just kept sharing the gospel with people in the community one by one and inviting them to come to church <coughs> and we kept growing mm. and here we are four years later after the, the planting the church four years later and the church is uh, well established people are growing lives are being touched and transformed we are very thankful for what god has done it's been really a journey of faith, not knowing what tomorrow would be like, but following, taking the step today as God leads. Mm-hmm. So uh, sometimes people ask me, did you know, how did you know for sure that you were supposed to go into pastoring? I can tell you, I didn't know what was there the next day. Mm-hmm. I only followed the lead today yeah. and found myself where I am today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Uh, mm-hmm. One thing leading to another. I don't know how God speaks to you, but the way God speaks to me is as as after reading the word of God or maybe listening to a good someone that has touched my heart, ideas come in my mind. Ideas just keep mushrooming in my mind, just one after another. What if this? What if that? And how I know that God is speaking to me is that some of these ideas are not my ideas. Mm. It's not the thing that I sit down and say, okay, tomorrow I'm going to do this and this. I'm going to do that. And yes, I have my ideas and I've seen them fail. I've seen them go through, uh, uh, get faint and disappear. But the ideas that have come from God, they've stayed with me. They come with such passion and strength that they keep me awake. Sometimes I go late to sleep because it's in my mind and in my heart. And sometimes I rise early in the morning. Why? Because it is driving me. And these are things that I've had dreams alongside, but the dreams have come and fallen, come and fallen, but the passion to pastor has stayed on. And that's how I know God is leading me. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. So could you please tell us the significance of the Reformation Study Bible entering your life and maybe start there? And you said it was very significant and formative. Can you tell us how that specific resource came into your possession But then also, you know, at first you didn't know how to use it. It was kind of confusing. No one showed you how to use the notes. When you finally got a grasp on, okay, here's how this study Bible works, to then really being formed by it, to then that opening up the door to really good theology. Could you please tell us that story? Yeah, I think uh, it was 2002 when a a friend of mine uh, gave me that Bible. He, he, He was the the administrator of the first church that I joined after getting saved. He noticed that I was all the time writing articles, short short articles and pinning it up on the church notice board. And he was noticing that I was always sharing the gospel with young people. So one time he invited me to his home. He said, I want you to come visit me. So I went to his house and uh, we had a long conversation for several hours. Maybe maybe two, two, three hours. And then at a time when I felt ready to go to leave, he reached into one of his boxes and pulled a study Bible. New, all wrapped up. So he gave it to me. He said, this is a very good book. I want you to have it. I notice you love the Lord. This will, this will be a blessing to you. So I took it. And I went with it home. I was excited that I have this big Bible but I didn't know what was in there. So I, uh, I remember having also a small NIV Bible. So every time I would open this big one, look at and see I, I, the things were many. And sometimes there are notes that uses a bit bigger terms. So I would uh, leave it and go back and read my small NIV Bible. 
But that was in the early years of my salvation, um, 2002, 3, 4. But then when I moved to the second church, or the college church, I and uh, the teaching began to go deeper, asking questions, what's the gospel, what is this, what is uh, evangelism, every time I went to share the faith. I began to realize that all these things are this there's additional information in this bigger Bible. Mm. And so I began to read it. And one, one specific note in that Bible that has really stayed with me for long is in Genesis. And the notes talk about, it explains from a reform perspective what the image of God looks like. Mm. And the definition of what the image of God in that, in that Reformation study Bible, what it says about the image of God has really completely shaped my understanding of what the Bible teaches on the image of God. I, uh, I began to notice that every time I shared from what I understood from this study Bible, in either a Bible study or in conversation with people, they would begin to tell me that that understanding is fresh and mm. new. Where did I get that from? And then I began to notice, uh, and the word, of course, Reformation, I, I didn't know anything about that. I didn't study history in my secondary school. I would have at least come to know what Reformation is. So all the once in a while I had in passing uh, Martin Luther, uh, the, the great reformers of the church and uh, many others, but I, I didn't know the story. So I just kept digging into this book and reading notes on one, one, one page to another. And then there was a time I just went reading uh, theological notes only, and there are notes on almost all the big subjects of, uh, of Christianity, on, I mean on baptism, on the Lord's Supper, on uh, uh, regeneration, which was a big word for me to find out what it meant, and then on... Um, on uh, on uh, on the on the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, uh, true conversion, uh, the Christian life. I mean, there are just many knots in that in that Bible, and uh, I, I discovered just about uh, four years of having that Bible. Mm-hmm. I began to discover that this is probably the greatest treasure I, I had in my hand. Wow. It it became to me like a Bible college in a book mm. because everything that I would read in there would take me deeper. I would think about it, reflect. And then later on came uh, an opportunity to access the Internet. And I'm like, oh, great. So I, uh, I saw, because on the cover of my Bible, there was general editor R.C. Sproul. I'm like, okay, who is this guy? Punched in the search engine, checked out, found some old man. And uh, uh, one thing led to another. I got access to Ligonier Ministry website. And then uh, later on, I remember I had finished university. I was ready. I was doing uh, uh, serving, in min- serving in ministry in my free time and having a job. So at my workplace, I had really fast internet. Mm. So in my free time, I would go onto this website and uh, uh, get access to whatever resource that I am interested in. I remember through that, listening to a teaching series by Sprawl, and it was called, uh, the teaching series was titled Justification by Faith. Mm -hmm. And I like what Sprawl did in that teaching. Mm. 
for the first time, I understood the gospel much clearer through that message. Because people would tell me, you're a sinner, you need to get saved. But through justification by faith, I understood what the implication of Christ dying on the cross, what that means in Scripture. I understood that his death and resurrection was not simply, uh, it was not just an outward show. It had deep spiritual meaning in that Christ died in my place. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, uh, and he bore on himself what I should have faced by myself. But because I was not able, to, uh, I am not able to save myself. God saw that, and He sent Jesus Christ. And uh, of course, you know, as His proud master teacher, very good at whatever at at, uh, at uh, explaining Scripture. And He weaved in there biblical theology with uh, history, which by this time I was falling in love with history because. Um, getting, I was getting excited to know everything else that happened. So he, he weaved in their history, uh, the history of the church, how the Reformation took place, how Ma- Ma- Martin Luther discovered uh, uh, true biblical theology, uh, and uh, how that made a big mark on his life, and then how he was uh, brought in trial to uh, for, for his faith, for his position, as far as the Word of God is concerned. And uh, I just discovered a lot of things. And this, I must say, for in the life of a young believer who has come out of, uh, who has gotten saved in a, in a, in a more experience-oriented environment, who is listening to false, uh, a lot of false teaching, yeah. this is a breath of fresh air. And it comes in with uh, completely a fresh understanding of Scripture that I had not understood before. And so I, went, I began to see my Bible in a different way. Every time I'm reading my Bible, I'm not looking at the greatest promise for me in terms of what can make me rich and happy and joyful and this and that. But I'm looking at what has God done for me and what is, uh, where is the gospel in all these things. I began to, I began to to understand books rather than understanding a verse and running with it. Mm. I began to become interested in uh, what does the what is the whole message of this or what is this whole chapter talking about the major idea rather than uh, picking Jeremiah twenty nine eleven or uh, 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 or maybe John three sixteen or maybe these other scriptures that people really. Uh, love. They are really good in and of themselves. They are good. Mm-hmm. But what was being created in my heart through using the study Bible was a love for the Word of God, a hunger for the things of God. And I wanted to go deeper, not just to be satisfied by scratching the top. I wanted to go deeper. And that Bible really uh, gave me a challenge. Mm-hmm. I I think I've used it for since that time. I treasure it a lot, and uh, I've received uh, other uh, study Bibles. Of course, I remember you you sent me one uh, by John MacArthur, and other books that have been very helpful. But there's a there's a, a strong memory and an attachment that I have to that Reformation study Bible, because. It helped me to dig deeper roots in my in my work, in my faith and my walk with the Lord, and to come to see that God chose me mm. 
probably one of the most radical ideas that I came to discover through the Reformed teaching is that I didn't give my life to Christ. Christ actually found me. Mm. Because all along I thought I gave my life to Christ. But here I discovered that I could not, and I was not even willing to give my life to Christ. I didn't even look for him, but he found me. Mm. Now, that was a completely different perspective to to, to what the gospel is. And understanding that, I began to realize that, oh, God actually loved me first. Mm. He looked for me. In those years when I was lost in the world, he knew me and he chose me. And it was only a matter of time before he would call me out of that darkness to come to him. So that is where, uh, that, that is one of the most uh, radical ideas I came, I came across from the Reformed teaching. Because all along I've been hearing, oh, you know, give your life to Christ, give your life to Christ. And then when people get saved, they say, I gave my life to Christ. It seems almost like everything about salvation is based on me. Mm-hmm. I'm the one who initiated this thing. But in Reformed teaching, it's not... It's not that, and this is not kind of like a different set of other teaching. Because I was thinking, what is Reformed teaching? Is this a new religion, or what is that? But then I discovered, and I remember this statement, I think I heard from Sproul. I don't know whether his statements or he was quoting someone. And he said that true uh, and sound Reformed teaching is actually biblical yeah. teaching. Yeah. And that is that is how it is. So what... What Martin Luther discovered, he didn't discover a new gospel. He just only discovered the same gospel that the apostles preached, only that in his time the gospel was lost. Mm. People were preaching other things. And so he rediscovered Mm. the same gospel that transformed the lives of the apostles and the early church. And so I was like, yeah, no wonder when you embrace Reformed doctrine, you have actually rep- embraced the gospel, the word of God. Mm-hmm. And the people who are into Reformed teaching, they love the word of God. Mm-hmm. And that is something that uh, I've uh, discovered. And the word, that Reformation Study Bible has made a significant mark on my life. Mm-hmm. I've since treasured it. I, considered myself, I consider myself uh, Reformed in my understanding of, of Scripture mm-hmm. because that has change everything as far as the way I look at scripture which is richer so can you tell me from there you have systematic theology books on your shelf here you have competent to counsel by Jay Adams you have commentaries how did you go from the Reformation study bible to systematic theology and commentaries John Piper I'm seeing uh, a lot of guys who we love, John MacArthur. Um, how did you come across these books? And here in Gulu, it's rare to find these books. I, I assume you might be one of the only men in Gulu that have these books on their shelf. Would that be correct? Yes, you're, you're right. These books are very hard to find. And I consider myself really blessed by God to to have this, these books here. Uh, first of all, like I said, from the study Bible, then I discovered one of, one of the key teachers of uh, Reformed doctrine that I discovered was R.C. Sproul, of obviously so because I was having Reformation study Bible. But then I later discovered he 
there are several other people that he works with. And then I discovered that Sproul is connected to 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 MacArthur and uh, these guys speak in great conferences. And these books, how I got them is that uh, having known about this uh, reform theology and the richness and the depth of reform theology, which is basically true biblical theology, I began to realize that there are other teachings that are going on which is not based on the word of God. Mm. And I began to realize that a lot of what I had learned before were not really sound. Even when they seemed to quote scripture, there was a a shallowness to them. And uh, uh, I became more dissatisfied every time I read some of those materials. And those materials of uh, most of those teachers are common. In Kampala, you'll find them along the street. In every bookstore, you'll find uh, most of the prosperity preachers, experience-oriented kind of uh, teaching and theology and lifestyle. They are all there. They are abundant. But these books are not common. Now, my pastor had opportunity at a certain point he traveled to the U.S., and I think uh, he was uh, he had access to a number of books. Uh, one of his friends decided to make a donation of books, and then he, he traveled back to Uganda and came with many books. And among those books, he allowed me to pick some books mm-hmm. when I was moving from Kampala to Gulu to pick some books. And by this time, I knew who was teaching uh, uh, sound doctrine. And so I I handpicked many of these books. Mm -hmm. I remember picking uh, a number of Piper books like uh, Desiring God. Mm -hmm. I have uh, Desiring God by John Piper. There's Brothers We Are Not Professionals Mm -hmm. by Piper. Um, I remember... uh, there are two there are two books on Christian worldview. There's uh, Total Truth by Nancy Piercy, and uh, that is a worldview book. And then there's this one by by uh, Charles Colson. Mm-hmm. It's also a worldview book. Mm-hmm. I picked that, and then I picked uh, Competent to Counsel mm-hmm. by J. Adams. Uh, there's uh, a holy ambition by Piper, mm-hmm. yeah, to preach where Christ has not been named, mm-hmm. and uh, I picked uh, "Don't Waste Your Life." I think someone borrowed, Piper, yeah. yeah, that is by Piper. And then there's this book, "Proclaiming a Cross-Centered Theology." Mm-hmm. Mark Deverly, yeah. Uh, no, this one I got it a bit later. Okay. I was given by by uh, mm-hmm. by. Uh, no, this is uh, by a friend from uh, one of the universities in Kampala. And there's a number of books that I, that I got, 12 Ordinary Men by John MacArthur, talking about the apostles and how Jesus transformed them from ordinary people to uh, people who, uh, who did extraordinary things for the kingdom. And a few leadership books, one by uh, Henry Blackby, mm-hmm. Uh, this is a, a one that I've read and kept going back to a number of times on leadership. Very good. And then recently, of course, uh, a friend of mine gave me some uh, uh, gave, uh, gave gave me some books titles like uh, 
Francis Schaeffer. Mm-hmm. This is a collection of, uh, I think, three books. Mm-hmm. The God Who Is There, Escape from Reason. He is there and is not silent. Mm-hmm. It's a great oh. book by Francis Schaeffer. It's also dealing a lot with worldview. And then how should we then live? Mm. I see you John Calvin here. Yes, yes. This one... This one is actually not mine. I borrowed this for my cousin. Borrowed John Calvin from your cousin? Yeah, from my cousin. I borrowed this one. I it's like a uh, cousin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, this is... Uh, I find it a bit hard to it read. It's hard to read. The English is uh, a little uh, old. Yeah. So some expressions some are, yeah, maybe now. more modern uh, uh, translation mm-hmm. to this. I would love to read, but I've, I've in my reading, I picked some things. Uh, I also came across a smaller version of this book, mm-hmm. much smaller and about that size. Okay, and I liked that more than this because it boiled down to the core things, and I benefited from. So these books have meant a lot to me. So one step led to another, and finally brought me to the realization of a whole bunch of people who are in love with the word of God, whose hearts have been transformed, who see God as sovereign and working in, in life to, to produce everything that he wants to see in bringing people to salvation, transforming lives of people, transforming society, and, uh, and, 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 and uh, controlling the world. Mm-hmm. Because in my mind, my childhood, my, in my childhood, my world was falling apart. My world was falling apart. But to discover that God is in control, that was so encouraging. I felt like, you know, my father cares. He knows me. He knows where I, where, where I've been, where I grew up. He knows everything about me. So he is in control. And that really encouraged me. So I, I have since grown to love the word of God. And I must say this, that having moved to pastor in Gulu, it has not been easy. Because this perspective, gospel perspective, is not common. And like you said, the, probably I might be one of the few, if not the only, who is having this book, this collection of books, this rich in Gulu. There might be others, but I'm not sure. But sometimes I feel lonely because... When you when you speak and you talk, it's almost like you're coming against most uh, uh, popular ideas in the place. You are the odd one. It sounds more like Old Testament prophets. Mm-hmm. Everyone is saying life is good, everything is okay, and Jeremiah is saying, "No, you're going down. You're going down the drain. You're you're losing it. Come back. Turn back to the Lord." And sometimes it feels lonely, but I uh, of recent I'm being I'm feeling encouraged because. The, 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 the persistence is bearing fruit. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing uh, young people coming up who are saying, you know what, your preaching, your, your preaching is different, but it is the word of God. It is touching my life. Mm-hmm. I remember one young man who had sat under my teaching for about uh, uh, six months. One time made an appointment with me. He said he wanted to share something important. And so he sat down with me. He said, you know what, I've been listening to what you were preaching and I've become convinced that I am not saved. Mm. I'm like, what, what makes you convinced? He says, you know what? Every time you describe the life of a person who is saved, it's not me. 
That is someone else. It's not me. My heart is different. I think I am saved, but I am. But when I assess myself based on what you're talking about, the scriptures, I realize I am not saved. I said, okay, so, but do you understand what, what I'm talking about? He said, yes, that's why I need to talk to you. I said, okay, so I shared the gospel with him. I uh, pointed him to Jesus Christ. And from that time, he, has, he, he, he walked away filled with joy. Mm. He's like, you know, I want to live for Jesus. And with me, that meant a lot because it was like a, a stamp of approval from the Lord and say, you know what, you're doing the right thing. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. Keep going. And then one person after another. And these two gentlemen who are sitting here can bear witness you, of, of, uh, of what God is doing. So there, there's two young men here in the room uh, from the university that is literally in Pastor Jimmy's yard. You could take a mango off of his tree, <laughs> throw it very lightly, and hit the university. We're that close. And uh, two young men here. Could you give us your name? I'm called Aaron. Aaron. Aaron and? Moses. Aaron and Moses. These, these brothers are here listening to the interview. These are two disciples of Jesus whom Pastor Jimmy is discipling. And, um, and one of them has just gone through a, a gospel coalition book on the gospel centrality of the whole Bible. Yeah, that is this gentleman declaring a cross-centered cross theology. Give us a sentence how that has impacted your understanding of the gospel and the Bible. Actually, I've come to understand the gospel that uh, basically the gospel is not just come to Jesus. You'll find maybe a blessing. You'll find this. That's uh, how it's being preached here in Uganda. But uh, basically, I have known that uh, Christ died for our sins mm -hmm. and uh, actually he took our place. Mm -hmm. And so basically I understand that the gospel is uh, the good news of God uh, that has been brought such that we understand that we uh, did not save ourselves, but we are saved because actually God wanted to reconcile uh, us uh, to himself, and he did that by himself through mm -hmm. sending his son as a channel. And also we were not willing. So there was the work of the Holy Spirit in the interplay with uh, the son. And then the Holy Spirit worked in our lives. And that's why we came to follow the way of the son. And then we get reconciled back to God. So all that has brought a big impact of uh, understanding the gospel. That it's not simply we who just give our hearts to Christ uh, by our, our own willing hearts, because we are not willing, and we are not able also to save ourselves, but it's the work of God in uh, in us that interplays to do all these three these three things through the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yeah, mm. Mm. very good. You're a young man, and you understand the gospel more than a lot of people in the states. So be encouraged, Pastor Jimmy here. You're making disciples. Tell us how you went from, okay, a reformed understanding of Scripture, the, the inability, you know, total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, uh, you know, the perseverance of the saints, to now it seems like you're understanding also a gospel centrality through all of the Scriptures, which Acts 29 also emphasizes in addition to a Reformed soteriology, we emphasize a gospel centrality. Um, that is also not prevalent here. It seems like signs, wonders, prosperity, health, wealth, that is very prominent. Gospel centrality and a Reformed understanding of Scripture is not even popular. Not even popular. Yeah, can you talk on that, please? 
Thank you. I think uh, I it, it's taken time. It's almost like learning with with no. W- w- there's a difference between learning in a, in a class and someone who takes you through Reformed theology, takes you through maybe uh, uh, an under, a biblical understanding of how church is to function. I almost had to learn almost all these things uh, by trial and error. Like, how this church supposed to be? So we have made so many mistakes over the years. From the time we planted the church up until now, we've had to make a lot of adjustments. And when I say this, my wife is smiling because she knows what we have gone through. <laughs> yeah, because we, we, we have adopted and readopted models and, and all, all to the point that we, 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 we've seen a lot not working. My understanding of Reformed theology kind of opened my mind a lot to how things are different, differently approached in the Reformed setting than from the, the other experiences that I had before. Church, in my mind growing up and in my early years of salvation, was church is the place you go to when you want to be encouraged but it is not the place you go to when you want to serve. <laughs> People didn't go to church to serve. They went to church to get something. And uh, theology or teaching in the church did not drive everything. As in church is about experience, this and that. The other one is speaking in tongues. The other one is doing that. And uh, the structure of church is varied from one place to another. But then as I went deeper in understanding Reformed theology and understanding the Word of God, I began to realize that uh, church ha- there is a way that church is uh, founded to function. And that is especially when we did a study in uh, uh, in in uh, uh, in the book of Acts. I I uh, I would say that uh, before, by the time I met, I came to to know you guys. Uh, we were in the middle of uh, of uh, a teaching series in the book of Acts, and we had started to teach to, uh, to teach in Acts. And somewhere along the way. Uh, we got resources from uh, from uh, uh, from uh, Nine Max. We got resources from uh, uh, Acts twenty nine. I began to read uh, resources from Acts twenty nine and a, a, a biblical understanding of of eldership that the church it was founded to to function with uh, with uh, with the elders being being the pastors, the teachers, or the bishops, whatever title you use for calling the elders, they basically mean the same office. These are the people who are, uh, they, they teach the word of God. They are the custodians of, uh, of the theology and the teaching and the gatekeepers of what comes into the church uh, so that false teaching does not come into the church. And God designed that uh, office to function that way, and just right next to them is the is the the deacons who help to work and meet the the material needs of the congregation. And then I began to assess and realize that you know the structure of most churches here in Uganda functions very differently. Of course, we have a dominance of uh, of the Catholic Church where it functioned with his head in Rome, and everything is pretty much determined from there, and then it flows all the way down to the villages, 
in my in my in in my region, and then there's uh, and the Anglican Church here in Uganda, which functions functions pretty much like the the Catholic Church, and then there are these uh, born again churches across uh, Pentecostal, uh, Baptist, and others who are there, and they function differently. And I began to realize that the the, the leadership is not the same, mm. but in reading these resources and digging into the Word of God, and I, I do appreciate the time I spent with uh, with Vince going through resources and him asking me some questions, and I did know what what to answer in some in some cases because I was encountering new things. Because for me, the pastor is the top. Then was the pastor is the top, and the pastor commands everything. And the pastor is so the top is the pastor, and then everyone else comes down. And the pastor could be a woman, could be a man, and could be anyone else who has planted the church. And planting the church automatically means you are the pastor of the church, and everything else flows from there. But I understood from studying the Word of God that, and from the time we spent together with Vince, which still was studying the Word of God, was to, to understand a model that is clearly seen in the Bible. Especially starting from uh, from uh, from uh, from how Jesus appointed the the apostles to lead, and then later on that led into Acts, where we see uh, a clear strategy pushed forward by Paul, uh, biblical uh, eldership and uh, deacons following after, and then there are many other gifts being used to 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 to, to serve at different levels, but then. The leadership of the church was comprised of elders and deacons, and who could, the qualification of who can be an elder and who can be a deacon, which we understood clearly that uh, the office of the elder is uh, very clearly in in uh, uh, Timothy chapter three. You see the language there talking about the elders are really men; they are not women, but men. But then, and then there's a second part that uh, talks about, still in chapter 3, that talks about qualification for deacons. And a deacon, uh, uh, when you read there, you can see that it is clear that me- both men and women can be deacons. I know uh, interpretation can vary. Some people might say, okay, only men still. And others might say men and women, but I think uh, studying and restudying the same passages and re-looking at other passages, I'm convinced that uh, women too can be can be can be deacons. So uh, though we don't have uh, deacons right now, our structure is in terms of understanding. We have the understanding, but we I consider that as a church we are on a journey moving towards there. Yeah, because also in studying from the nine marks books, uh, the nine marks of a healthy church, uh, it takes a process to establish a church as a healthy church. So we are in that point of realizing our need to move to, and now we're beginning to move towards that. So uh, personally, uh, I'm working on documents. Maybe we are looking at uh, constitution, looking at statements of faith. We are looking at... uh, these things that help to form structure so that we can it can help us to move into that place where we have uh, uh, a clear structure of leadership, what we believe, uh, what governs us as a church so that we are a healthy church. Yeah, so Vince, 
came over to Gulu for a month in January of 2018. It's correct? Yeah. Yeah, Vince is in the room here looking fresh in his Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> those palms on there in pine cones? Um, shells? Shells. No shells. I think those are shells. <laughs> No, oh, those are leaves. Those are tea leaves. It might be agave leaves. Agave? I think we'll call it tea. All right. So Vince is here. And uh, Vince came over and spent a month with Pastor Jimmy, and they went through the Nine Marks Church Elders by Ryan and uh, Richard Coxon. And they went through Alexander Strock's biblical eldership, and they went through quite a bit of Acts 29 material on elders. Anything else I'm missing? Some church membership stuff? Right? Yeah. 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 Gospel DNA. Gospel DNA. Richard Coxon. That's right. And and all those were very helpful. And right now you're also working on uh, creating membership in in university community church as well. Yes. Right. Good. So let's let's talk now. Let's switch and talk about Acts 29. So Acts 29 is a network of church planting churches. What we say is we're a single issue network. We plant churches that plant churches that plant churches that plant churches. Okay, and we, we as a church plant ourselves established in 2014 in Pittsburgh are seeking to help establish you as a church planting church as we are continuing to be established in Pittsburgh as a church planting church. Um, could you tell us how you got introduced to Acts 29? And then I, I love the story about how you got connected with Phillips and Kristen and then got connected to our church, who is a member of Acts 29. Could you briefly tell us that story leading up to the conference that just took place in Kampala, the first Acts 29 gospel-centered training um, for all of Uganda? Yeah, uh, the first time I came to know about Acts 29 was somewhere on the Internet. I came across... I don't know whether on Facebook or on uh, their website or, or a link on a website somewhere. And uh, I think probably through TGC website or something like that, I came to know of Acts 29. And then I learned, uh, and that was before we planted our church. We were still in Kampala. And uh, reading a few things about them, I decided then to to write an email to them and inquire whether they are in a region and in U- in Uganda or if uh, a person like me was thinking of planting a church could benefit from, from uh, one of their programs or activities. So I wrote an email, but I got no reply, and I was disappointed. I'm like, oh, I wish they could tell me something whether it's uh, a yes or a no or something like that. But then I left that. I left it at that. And uh, I knew there's Acts 29. They do church planting, uh, assessment, and other things. And uh, uh, so, But I knew that I could not be able to access anything that they were doing. So I left it at that. We moved to Gulu, planted the church, went through very difficult experiences, which now when I look back and uh, I would uh, I would think that we would have greatly uh, benefited and avoided many mistakes if I'd come to know Acts 29 then and maybe had some kind of sharing with uh, uh, people who are part of that network. Yeah. So uh, it happens that when we're in Gulu, I, uh, uh, at a certain point, having spent two, three years already, then... Uh, uh, I'd come to know Philip, 
and Phil comes to me because uh, he needed me to me and him to talk on some things. And as we were talking, he shares he shares with me that he's uh, he's in love with a young woman. And uh, as we conversed, uh, we met two times, three times. And then he told me she's from Pittsburgh and uh, she's part of a church called Eternal City Church. And then one conversation led to another. And then one of those times, he mentioned that Eternal City Church is part of Acts 29. And I said, Acts 29? I know those guys. I know Acts 29, at least something about, about them. And then he was surprised that I knew about Acts 29. And uh, he said, okay, I'm going to talk to, to Pastor Chris about, uh, about you, that you know Acts 29, because they, uh, their church is part of that. And then uh, I don't know what he told, he told, he told you guys. Because the next time he came back to talking to me, he was extremely excited. And that made me so excited. And then he told me, these guys can't believe that you know about Acts 29 and that you tried to write to them and they didn't get back to you. And they, they would like to talk to you about Acts 29. And then the next thing, one thing led to another. And Phil arranged an appointment, a video conference with uh, me, him, and... Uh, Pastor Chris and Vince, and there we were, video chatting. We talked about Acts 29, and uh, I wanted to know everything I could know. And if there was, uh, I was, I was wondering though, if uh, having planted the church already, and we already uh, maybe one year or two years into, uh, no, two years into 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 uh, this church plant, whether there's uh, any relevance. Mm. So we had this video conference which was extremely beneficial for me because it opened my eyes to begin to understand that Acts 29 is not only into planting a church and run away and then plant another but is in also into nurturing the church plant to grow and become an established church that can plant another so the the idea is not just planting a church, but planting a church that plants other churches, yes. that plants other churches. Yes. So so that the the multiply effect keeps going on and on and on and on. So uh, uh, when I talked to you guys, it was just great opportunity to to, to discover that, and I also learned that. Uh, the whole process of being assessed by Acts 29 to, to join the network is is pretty hard. And the beginning part, you almost need to be introduced by someone who is already inside so you get, you, you get to know uh, how to get started. And uh, uh, quickly, that connection was established. And, uh, and uh, then a few months after, uh, Pastor Chris uh, sent... Uh, Vince to come over, and his coming just made these things real. Because uh, you you need to understand from our side of the world, sometimes you see things on the internet and it's way out there. Because sometimes, for example, we see Amazon, but you may not be able to shop something there. You just see good books. You say, oh, I wish I could get this particular book. Oh, I wish I could access this particular thing. Oh, I wish I could do this. But our financial system needs to change. We can't buy anything easily offline. Mm. We, I mean, uh, you need to have over, you need to, there's a lot that needs to be done before you can be able to buy something offline. Yeah. So just those things are off. And so 
on the internet when we see something, sometimes it is far away. So by Vince coming and spending one month with me and meeting nearly every day and asking questions, going through a study and reading books and uh, just having conversation together, that may give me an, an experience of what, uh, a small experience of what Acts 29 would do to make a difference in in this part of the world. So that time spent uh, helped me a lot, and he left with me resources. And then later when he went back, we kept uh, corresponding and then corresponding with you as well and just talking about Acts 29. And I, I, shortly after he, he left, I began the assessment because I then went on Acts 29 website, created my account, and then I began to do the assessment and uh, whatever difficulty I was experiencing, I was uh, communicating back and forth with him. And of course, uh, the gentleman who is supervising my assessment, uh, Travis Whitehead, he's an amazing guy. Every time I send a question or something, sometimes, uh, most times it will be uh, before even 48 hours elapses, I have a response. I have a response coming in very quickly. And he has been so helpful to me. Right now, in the assessment, I'm probably uh, more than three-quarter way done with phase one, yeah. and that is a big progress. I count that a big achievement. Yeah, yeah. and uh, just uh, a few days ago, we were just part of uh, Acts 29 uh, uh, Pastors Conference in, in Kampala, to, and the goal of that conference is uh, to begin to start up interest in uh, in the region of people who uh, who are for the gospel, love the gospel, want to live for the gospel, pastors who want to plant churches and churches that can plant other churches. And so the conference was really rich. I enjoyed every bit of it, and uh, especially that last bit that we had over dinner. Yeah to see what practical things that uh, the pastors can begin to do to either be begin to be assessed or really assess themselves and see that whether they want to be part of this network or not and uh, that was really very helpful i think uh, i i am convinced that uh, being being part of joining this network is going to help us as a church to align ourselves to the gospel uh, to 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 move further the vision that we had somehow had in a small way when we were planting the church we were actually extending part of a vision of reaching out with the gospel to different universities and different commun- communities in in Uganda and possibly across the region uh, our church in Kampala was at the university touching the lives of university students and these university students are going everywhere and so that uh, vision uh, captivated my heart. And moving to Gulu, that's why we moved specifically to uh, a place, uh, to this place near the university to impact Gulu University students so that they can be uh, uh, disciples who can go out and, and share the gospel. Of course, when I say this, I say it with more clarity because I have had more thought after reading a lot of materials on Acts 29 and uh, thinking over these things over and over again. It is only more clear that God has called us to be able to to, to move the gospel to the campuses, equip the people so that they can go out and live for the gospel. 
Yeah. So I uh, I appreciate so far, even through the assessment alone, I have benefited a lot. I see uh, things are more clear, strategies more clear. I have a better and clearer understanding of what church is supposed to be in terms of its structure and also its theology and also uh, what what how things are to be done when when the testimony of the believers are not right, church mm. discipline and correction and all that, it's uh, clearer in my mind, and I'm more confident now of, uh, of, uh, of, of, of my responsibility as an elder in my, our church, teaching every week and leading my people and raising new leaders. And these, these gentlemen are a new breed of leaders coming up and uh, they're, and by the way, they are fiery. And and I don't know if you guys notice. One is Moses, another one is Aaron. Oh. <laughs> it's a dangerous combination. I mean, Moses and Aaron, they will just take us to the promised land. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, and we, um, I'm so much excited. And also, I must say this, I am so excited about uh, Eternal City Church coming alongside to help us go through this assessment and uh, become an Acts 29 church. That means a lot in many ways. We can never say uh, thank you enough because uh, gospel alignment means everything. I think it's, it's a life and death Thing. Because if you miss the gospel, you, you have no hope. But when you have it right, you, you have hope for yourself, but you are also then helping others to find hope in the gospel. Right. Yeah, so I think this is uh, it's the greatest investment that Eternal City Church can make. Mm. I mean, you can, uh, someone can give you money, someone can give you books, someone can take you to school, someone can do a lot of other things. But if they miss to give you the most important thing, the gospel, or help you to be aligned to it, you, you won't benefit anything. But this is, you are investing in the most critical area of the Christian life. And we do appreciate that so much. We pray that God blesses you abundantly. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, I think that's a great place to end. So Pastor Jimmy, thank you. Um, we are very appreciative that you are doing this work here amidst what would be uh, an unusual gospel, sadly, to most people. But I think Aaron and Moses here could, could testify that there's, there's real depth here and truth. And uh, I'm sure you guys are appreciative. Yeah, good, good. All right, well, signing off. God bless. <laughs>